Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another installment of the Uncle Saki Podcast. I'm your host and everyone's favorite uncle, Stephen J. Saki. Sitting to my right, your left, a new co-host, Joe Rayo. How you doing? So how was your week? Uh, good. I mean, uh, you know, me and my girlfriend went through with the breakup, so she's actually here now, packing up, and uh, you know, didn't see it coming, two years, but uh, it happens. That's life. Yeah. What can you do? Keep moving forward, huh? How about you? Well, I, I thought I was going to get in trouble at work. Okay. And I didn't. I couldn't believe it. Basically, and I, I don't know if I'm breaking a hip wall, but fuck it. Look, we sleep, uh, on the overnights, I sleep at work. Right? Yeah. Everybody knows that the people who work the overnight sleep at work. Now, what do you, you do? I work in a detox. I detox. Okay. I've been in a, a psych ward in the orderly sleep. I'm not that you're an orderly, but the tax. I'm kind of like an orderly. Yeah. Well, you're a tech, I think. Yeah, whatever. Well, you know, whatever. Take blood of, pressure. I'm not that fucking committed to having a nice title. I can give a fuck. I'm just the overnight guy. You want people to be okay, but you don't want to go crazy about it. Exactly. But, you know, it's frowned upon, but it's accepted. But just, you see, you see what I told you before the show. I said, Steve, we need more time. Go, go do something crazy. Get fired. Not break the law, but get fired. Collect as much as you make, probably. I honestly, and you don't have to commute. And you don't have to. And that's the problem with this society where we're at now. Why are you working? Like a rational person has to say, why? Well, I take pride in in do being you? a hardworking person. You know. Well, listen, hey, <laughs> I still get the job done. I, I didn't say you didn't. You know what I mean? So why don't you tell the story? I know it already. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's frowned upon, but it's accepted, so long as nothing fucking bad happens, all right? So I'm passed out, and there's a key card to get through the doors for, like, the staff. Like, the patients can't just walk wherever the fuck they want, yeah. right? So I'm sleeping at a desk like this, and it's dangling, right? And I wake up to some movement. And he's got the bitch. So I figured like he was just trying to take it then. Right? So I look at him like, the fuck are you? Give me that fucking thing. Take that one over on me. The fuck out of here. <laughs> and then in the morning when I wake up to like do all the vital signs and whatnot, I see that the door is open. Like it's a little ajar. Yeah. So I pull him aside. I'm like, just tell me right now. Did you go upstairs? He's like, no. I'm like, well, just tell me right now. Look me in the eye. You go upstairs, he's like, yeah, I just want to smoke his And I, I know this guy. Did you get reprimanded? No. Because they can't find anybody else to work. Exactly. There's that, and... Now you should play a game and see what it takes to get fired. I should play the, the, like the movie see. Office Space. Yeah, see what you can do. Just like George Costanza, drive around with the trophy, and then, you guys suck! <laughs> Well, aside from, from work issues, on one of my days off, dating this girl, it's a new romance, uh, she's staying at her mother's upstate New York. Okay. Right? So we go up there. Well, I go up there. Uh, she had to stay the night, but I was like, I'll come visit you. We'll go out to eat, we'll have a good time, whatever, right? We finally got a hibachi place in the area. We were a little nervous that, like, you know, it's upstate New York, but it was very good, and it was... Much better price than any of the Obachi places around here. I looked at the check, I was like, shh, it's nothing. Well, they all got the money up there. Yeah. And you know what I liked? They had Galama. 
for like the whole time. I've never seen that. Kalamad. Oh, it's not. Yeah. It's Kalamad. Whatever. It is. All right. We're splitting hairs here. But but I've never seen that at a hibachi place like that they cook on the fucking grill. So I got that and steak. It was delicious. Did the Chinese guy do it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I so, went to Hibachi Steakhouse one time and the guy was like white. Yeah. I was like, it was good, but I was like, it's like when you order Chinese food and like a Caucasian woman comes and you're like, it's Chinese? Well, Mexicans cook Italian food in Italian restaurants. But you just get a Chinese guy bringing you Chinese food. I guess. But afterwards, you know, I wanted some alone time. But it's an hour and a half drive up, so I wasn't going to take it down here. And I wasn't going to go into a mom's house and meet the mom for the first time and try and, you know, do what I got to do. So try and find a hotel, right? Go to, like, the fucking Holiday Inn or whatever. I'm like, yeah, give me the cheapest room you got. And the guy just goes like this. They're just fucking me. I'm like, what, what is this guy calling me an asshole? He's like, we got no rooms. I'm like, oh, well... You know, is there another fucking hotel there? Oh, what's going on? Yeah, he's like, oh no, Legoland. Like, Legoland? Apparently, all these people went to this area for some fucking Lego uh, fiasco. I couldn't find a hotel. Finally, I find one another 20 minutes up, and it's a shithole. I'm like, it just was not suitable for romance. So there's my frustrations with my week. Just issues at work, and can't find a decent hotel. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you lately, just people have been getting on my nerves more and more. And it's like, just little stupid things, but like, they're enough to get me agitated. Like, and I know I shouldn't let it bother me. I went into uh, Walmart yesterday. And, you know, every time I go into Walmart, it's like, I'm not great with prices, but I'll remember like a certain thing if I'm buying a tool or like, this is this amount. And like, honestly, nine times out of ten, it'll say something and like, on the rack, so any item that's not essentially individually marked will have, I guess, would that you know, like they sit on the hook, and on the hook it'll say the price, like four ninety nine, thirteen ninety nine, and like how many times like I go and it's not off by must, but it'll be like fourteen fifty, you know, and marked at thirteen ninety nine, and like I just I don't know, I feel like you're robbing people if like I catch you. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll change the... But, like, how many people don't catch it? And at what point is it, like, a type of embezzlement scheme? And, like, I know a lot of people laugh at that, but, like, it was just the other day, yesterday, I went in there and, like, right at the checkout, so it was $1.88. I take it, I walk four feet to self-checkout, I check it, it's $1.99. Now, afterwards, I thought maybe they add the deposit in there, but it doesn't say anything. So I'm just saying what it rings up. You would think they would add the deposit or the tax later, but I don't know how it works in Walmart, but ring it up, it's eighty-eight. So the woman's like, oh, I'll change it. And I'm like, no, don't change it. I'm like, change it at where it says it. I'm like, so everybody doesn't fall for it. I was like, that's a scam. So the girl's like, well, I can only change it. I was like, all right, go get the manager. Now I'm in a Walmart. I'm like, your people are screwing everyone. You're making, you know, I'm supposed to pay 88 cents, and then now it is $1.99. I'm like, you do it to me, it's 10 cents, but if you do it 50 times a day, it's 500 cents. It, it's, it's, it adds up. And this it's sounds like, like a curb your enthusiasm. No, but it's an sort of... oops bullshit with the, on a corporate level. And I want to know, is there like some kind of specification that, hey, there's, 
outside monitors to go into these stores and check the prices. And then like if they have more than 30 that are wrong, it says something that the where you're buying it and at the checkout, do they get fined? Is there any type of, and I don't know. And if anyone knows, let me know. But because I feel like so many stores around the country are probably doing this. It's like it's marked. Okay, in your head, you're like, okay, you're going to Target and, and you know, you're doing it in your head, but it comes out five, six dollars more. You're not going to stop and go through the receipt. But think about it. Like, take a picture. I've been doing it. I take a picture of the item on the thing with the price. And then, like, almost everything I buy, and then, like, I watch it and I ring it up. And you know what? I've caught it more times than I have it. One item here, one item there. But that's just for me. Now, you go in there, your sister goes in there, my mother goes in there. By the time you know it, they're, they're banking on the little technical errors that if you did while you were keeping your checkbook, you'd be in jail. So, it's a good point. This, this is where I'm at now. I lost the wife and kids. <laughs> It, it, that, I had a similar for well it's a totally different issue it's about like the masks but the, the, the other day when I was really cranky I was coming off an overnight going into another job I stopped at Dunkin Donuts to get coffee right? the mask well I walk in without the mask you know the mandate's officially lifted especially if you're vaccinated which I am right so the guy behind the counter he hands me a mask I'm like I'm vaccinated what are you worried about? He's like, it doesn't matter. You still gotta wear it. And I was in a fucking mood. I was just like, oh, I, I, I kind of felt. I no, I didn't do that. I just fucking I flipped out. I kind of felt a little bad. I it was very satisfying though. I was just like, I ain't wearing the fucking mask. So go get the fucking coffee. And his coworkers was just like, oh, you have said that to you? Oh my god, it did. <laughs> behind the petition too. Mm-hmm. Behind the plastic petition yes, needs yes, more yes. of a force. Yes, it yes. needs more. It's it's not about the mask. It's about the compliance. It always has been. If you're uncomfortable with me not having a mask on, back the fuck up. Yeah. Stay you six feet away from me. If I'm in a situation where people can't get away from me, I see old people nervous, I put on a mask. But you know, it, it just bothers me. Some people that could never tell you anything in life now get a gold star because they tell yeah, you, they, oh, you know, it's like my resume is going to read, well, I was the lead mask enforcer in Walmart in 2021. It's like nobody gives a fuck. It's not your job. Go stack the fucking boxes. Yeah, people like to play with this. This is getting very... Like, what shirt. makes it so frustrating too is I vaguely pay attention to the news and even I know that these fucking Fauci emails... He admitted that it's all just political theater to make people feel safe. It doesn't do a goddamn thing. But, but it went beyond the feeling safe because now it's what can we impose on you? Mm. You know, I think personally, and we're going to get into this. I was talking to Steve earlier. This is We're essentially on episode two of a new show being I'm involved. I'm bringing new things to the table. We're going to start doing different formats, probably a longer podcast in itself. And I want to go into different things. And one of the things I really want to go into is, you know, alien agenda. Not agendas, but disclosure. Things that are going on now that we, uh, we maybe 20 years ago would have said, that's, that's crazy. You know, you're crazy. But now it's uh, a lot of things with Bob Lazar and things like that are coming to light, you know. And uh, I'm one of those ones that I was down at Ground Zero. I, was, I responded that day I got there. Um, did you really? Yeah, I'm a heavy I equipment operator, and I got there that day. I responded. Through your union? 
Yeah. And, um, you know, the things that I saw didn't indicate that this was only hit by a plane. We saw beams that were, had a 45 degree angle on it that looked like they were cut with torches, which would have took forever. So, you know, they found thermite there. I think that was a political play on America. Some, like how people said that the bombing of Pearl Harbor, we knew about it, but we just didn't take action because we needed a way into the war. So I think that, I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that those guys had something to do with the government and were trained by the government to a certain degree. Um, I think that once that happened, um, you could essentially wipe your ass with the Constitution now when something comes up, if the Homeland Security Act is involved, it takes away all your rights and freedom as an American. As an American, if they see you as a terrorist, you don't have the same rights, you don't have the same liberties. You know, the Boston Marathon's another one. I think that was a, uh, what, what, what they call a red flag exercise or something like that. Did you see a movie about that? Well, I think it was planned just so on the newly mounted, uh, you know, Patriot Act or whatever they call it. They went and what they did after the Boston bombings was they went around and they knocked on people's doors and said, we got to come in to check if there's a terrorist in your house. You have a warrant? No. Do you need a warrant? No. You could just come into my house? Yeah. Well, why? Because there might be a terrorist in there. If there's a terrorist in my house, give me one second. I'll be right back. I'll drag him out to you. Yeah, but not everybody would I don't do think that. There's, no, but everyone will call the cops and say, there's a terrorist in my house. Please come. Yeah. Okay, you don't need to come to my door to check if there's... This ain't fucking grown-up hide-and-seek. You ain't coming in. Bring a judge and a warrant. But you know what? Oh, it's national security. Sure, you could come in and check and make sure everything's on the up and up. It's, it's you know, these, these false flags and these are made to test. They're constantly testing what, what we're going to allow. You know, the government's very powerful. With absolute power, absolute corruption, it, it happens every time. And this is where we're at, you know, we're, we're told what we're meant to hear, we're, we're, we're given guidelines, but they become rules, and then rules become laws, and then once there's a law, it never goes back the other way. You know, once they take away freedom, they don't wake up one morning and say, you know what, let's give it back to them. Well, let's go to the news. This is a fun story. An anonymous Karen basically saw a treehouse. It irritated her, so she called the Homeowners Association to have it taken down. And then the father who built this playhouse with his children during the pandemic, he left an epic note on, like I guess, on like a telephone pole for her to read. What's it say? It's actually a tree, Steve. Okay. <laughs> Dear anonymous passerby, don't worry, you're safe now. Your act of casual cruelty was successful. The complaint you lodged with the HOA, Homeowners Association, was heard. They had me take down the small tree fort that I built on this location with my sons during the pandemic. No longer will the presence offend you. No longer will its presence offend your walk uh, past my house. Please enjoy your stroll free from the sound of my children's play and laughter. They are safely back inside right now, watching television, I'm sure. Enjoy the unobstructed view of my backyard. I will try to keep it up to code. 
best Dave. I, I, I hope to God that fucking woman read that. You know, it's it's these I, I would never personally be inside one of these homeowner associations. You know, there was a story on the news around Christmas, you know, a nice young black couple and they put up a wooden cross and the homeowner association lost it. Oh, you can't have religious and you know, it it was a cross. I mean, it was the simplest thing. But you know, you have a lot of these people that are very uh controlling and they want to control the things around them and if they see like a kid having fun it's a red flag you know it's a red flag why why are they playing if they fall out of the treehouse somebody can sue the the, 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 the HOA and everybody's worried about liabilities half the problem is the lawyers you know and the other half is these people that are just you know they're so worried about Somebody having fun because they might get hurt, that, that it's ridiculous. I ride dirt bikes and, and, you know, we can register our dirt bikes and we could um, pay insurance on them, we could register them with the state. And there's no place in Jersey to ride, you know, so why are we registering? What's the point of that? Well, they need to be registered. Why don't we take them where? Out of our garage to do what? Oh, well, there's a place, there's a place that you can ride, it's called, uh, I forget the name of it, but, okay, it's a private organization, it's a private company. You're telling me that a state, a state that takes your registration money is reliant on a private company to go and ride on their land, but we have to have reg registration? It's just, it's another one of those things, like the rules are in, in place for what reason, you know? Why can't a kid have a treehouse? I'm sure there's liabilities. I'm sure if the kid falls down and breaks his neck, they could go to the homeowners association and say, why did you let this happen? She probably had like some kids of her own, and she's worried that like if they go and fucking hang out with their kids, that they'll fall out of the fucking tree. But still, like, how do you fucking make somebody take their fucking treehouse down? How do you grow up not falling out of a tree? <laughs> you know, and that's what it is. That's why these kids now need safe zones from words. They need timeouts from words. They need, you know, when I grew up, I, I'm Italian. At one point, we lived in Florida. We moved back to an Italian neighborhood. I lived across the street from a schoolyard. And I'm Italian. They were busting my balls so bad. They would beat me up. I learned how to fight in the schoolyard. I forget what it was, maybe 58th Street in Brooklyn. Come back from Florida wearing surfing gear, like pastel covers. You know, I, I came into the, you know, the sharks and the jets. Did you get that shirt in Florida? No, nah, this shirt is a Tony Soprano special. <laughs> that is an exceptional shirt. Kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the rules. It's, a, it's about, like we said last episode, we love the rules. We love the rules. We love the HOA. Protect us, mommy government. At my next comedy show, I'm thinking of trying a new bit out where I basically say that I support bullying because I feel like it makes a man out of you. Out of what? Bullying? Bullying. It, it gives you character yes. to learn how to stand up to it. Listen, when I was a kid, right, I went to Catholic school, but every once in a while we would have dress down day. And one time I wore like this yellow outfit that I thought looked nice. Yes. And everyone abused the shit yeah, out of me. They, yeah, you yeah. fucking banana fucking. Yeah, someone yeah. threw a fucking banana peel at me. They're like, oh, you look like a fucking school bus sacky, you know? And then now, I'm sorry for that. In the, 
<laughs> now, in the future, I never wore that shit again. It made me better. It made my fashion sense better. It made you realize yellow is not for me. Yeah, you you learn things. I mean, is there a better way to learn these things? Maybe, but that's just part of growing up. It's it's part of being accepted into the world. You do have to fit into certain. You know, you thought yellow was good. Society told you it wasn't. As a kid, when people fucked with me, it broke my my heart. But like as I get older, I'm like grateful for my fucking bullies. I walked around a lot of years with a chip on my shoulder, you know, I just, I wasn't good enough. And you couldn't tell from the outside, everyone just thought I was angry and mad, but, like, I met people from high school, they're like, oh, you're normal, you were such a mad guy in high school. No, I wasn't, I was just scared you were going to make fun of me, you know, my big orange head. But, yeah, those insecurities give you chips, you know, too, so, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's something you got to deal with, you know. I mean, that's why the society is where it is now. I mean, half of these millennials and guys, it's like, those aren't men. Those aren't men, you know? Like the old Soprano thing, like what happened to the strong, silent James Cagney type, you know, that's gone. Now it's, you have to be in touch with your emotions and you have to be more women-like. And it's like, it's like Coke telling you to be less white. It's like, you have to be less man, but not me. Uh, you know, and the right girl will appreciate that, you know, but but the, the consensus is, I mean, if you took... Most women I talk to yeah. don't want someone like that. But th they'll end up like with a guy like that just for the fact that they know, you know what, he's not aggressive, he never hit me, he never yell at me, and, you know, they, they end up with a purse-carrying man. You, you know, um, a lot of Fredos at the wedding, they just can't handle their girls. Their girls get drunk and they look like assholes. You get drunk with me, you're getting tossed, you know, at least into the car. But, you, you know, you, I can handle you. You, you know, I've, I've been with girls that, that had drinking problems. And, you know, it gets to a certain point where you got to say, you're drunk, you do something fucking wrong, you might feel the repercussions from it. You, you know, and people, you know, these non-confrontational guys, and you know, it's just, you have to be a man to a certain point, and it's, I understand people don't like confrontation, but you have to put certain things out there, you know. I know girls that have guys and, and, you know, they have other guys hitting on them and they'll tell the guy and he's like, well, you know, handle it. It's like, well, did you tell me I had a boyfriend? That's my first question. Did you was he disrespectful about you then? All right, I'll go talk to him. And I'm not going to go beat him up, but I'm going to say, that's my girlfriend. Please don't be disrespectful. The next time I might beat them up. <laughs> Being honest, I mean, if you're going to be disrespectful to somebody I care about, there's going to be a line I draw in the sand, you know. And I'm a, I'm a habitual line crosser, not maker, you know. Um, I put lines in the sand, and if you pass that line, you know, it's healthy. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to deal with you, you know. <laughs> and it's not always going to be violent, but I'm comfortable with violence on a certain level. I'm not scared to get my hands dirty. Nice. Some of the best friends I ever had, I had fist fights with, hung up, you know, we hung afterwards. And you know, we, we knew something about each other. I've had that experience. Guys I fought, I become really close with. And it's like Fight Club. You ever see Fight Club? Yeah, of course. You don't know how hard it is to get into a fight. Mm -hmm. It's like people will do anything not to get into a fight. To avoid I mean, I use it to my, you know, I could look somebody in the eyes and like, you know, pretty much. Defeat them. 
Because I, I know you're not going to go where you need to go. I, re- deal with I remember one time I got into a bar fight, and the next time I saw the guy, we just like kind of had like a mutual respect for each other. We sat down at the bar, we bought each other, like we each bought each other around, yeah, and the that? bouncer who had to separate us was like, "What the fuck? You guys yeah. are hanging out?" Yeah. We're like, "Yeah, we're cool." He's like, "All right." Yeah. You know, you you learn a lot about somebody when you fight them. Oh yeah. You learn a lot about somebody what they what they have in their core. You know, it's a it's a loss. You know, and that's what that's what people. It's the truth, and it's a shame to say it. But I, I read this meme about, you know, the masks. And it said... About uh, the, the what? The masks. Oh, I thought you said and the masks. Before you have a problem with me not wearing the mask, will yours stop an uppercut? You know, it's not going to protect... You think COVID's a problem. Get hit by me. You're going to have an instant problem. You're going to know it immediately. It's not going to be like, I can't taste anything. You're going to be like, oh, don't bother me. Do you, don't bother me. If I'm doing something that hurts you or puts you in danger, you could say something to me. I'm not a complete animal, but not for no reason. I wish you guys could see on the camera just like the whites in his eyes when he said, don't bother me. <laughs> just my, you know, my grandfather, you know, somebody, you know what's good for your teeth? Minding your fucking business. It's better than milk, it's better than apples, it's better. Good for your teeth. Dentists should promote that. Hey. And I smile. Mind your fucking business. You'll be good. I mean, you know, we should teach just in dental school. I don't have a nice smile. Every time I go to weddings or like, you know, family events, my mom would be like, take a picture. And I can't fake a smile. Okay. So every time that there's like a... Stephen, can you smile right? Oh, do you know how to smile right, Stephen? If, if it's a genuine smile, I'm sure I look handsome. But when I have to manipulate a smile, I just don't know how to do it. Probably get me in a fucking good mood. <laughs> yeah, I'll say something funny. Be a good photographer. Oh my god! At my cousin's wedding, there was this woman, right? It's the cocktail hour. Like we just finished the mess, so it's only Most like the important hour of the day. But still, like we just got there. It's four o'clock. Yeah. I obviously do not judge someone who has a fucking drinking problem, yeah. right? But it's four o'clock. We just got to the cocktail hour. This woman is sauce. She walks up to, you know, me and my family, and her husband was, like, tight with my father, right? And she's just like, so this is where the party's at? And her fucking makeup is smeared. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman, right? That's alcohol. And, yeah, and they're explaining that the husband's, like, grew up with my father. He's like, oh, I grew up with your father. I'm like, all right. My what do you mean, this is right? Good for you. <laughs> Yeah, they look like there was like a 20 year gap too, but whatever. So we go to take pictures and they give, I I go nuts when someone's like, I'm not smiling right yeah. because it's like, I can't fucking figure yeah. a smile and I hate taking pictures, but whatever. I can deal with like my mom put me through it because I, I already know how to handle my yeah, mom, yeah. right? They thought to give this woman to, to the phone me. and she kept fucking fucking with me like, nice smile. And meanwhile, I just want to say, why don't you go have another fucking martini, you fucking... You gotta say it in a nice way. Maybe I'll look better after another martini, huh? I I just like my face just kept fuming, and at one point, like when it was over, I walk away and I just like like I wanted to like like look at my brother, like like let my brother see my fucking psycho face, just so he knows how fucking pissed off I am, and the husband's. (laughs) I felt bad. I didn't want him to like see my psycho face. 
but there is like a little mischievous part of me that was happy that like it's like your wife is not okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the only one that's like straight around. When I was a kid, I uh, I was in school and I was you know a little bit taller than the kids. It was an after school program. I don't know how old y'all when your front teeth come in. What six, seven? I don't know. I must have been right around five, six, somewhere around there. And uh, a kid ran into me. We were going through these double doors. My mother sued the school, and I got like fifteen grand. Are you serious? Yeah, but the kid was running like there were double doors. Like, you know those double doors they had in the school? Yeah. Well, one was left open. And I guess the kid was running and I was walking. And he walked, he got like his forehead. My teeth went into his forehead. And he pulled out the teeth and threw them. And like the custodian couldn't find him. But the point of all this is I couldn't get fake teeth because your mouth's not ungrown, so they have to put temporaries in. And um, I had these temporaries in, and they changed them maybe like once, but like, by the time I was like 17, they were like getting yellow, and it was embarrassing, so I would never smile. And uh, I guess it got past the age that I was on my parents' insurance, so now I'm like in my 20s, and I still have these horrible teeth, low 20s, and I finally got a reunion and had them fixed. And like I had to learn how to smile, because everything was, you know, just kind of with the mouth closed. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. They're turning yellow, and you know, when I finally got these, and, and I, you could kind of tell the fronts are fake. They're a little big, but my I'm fronts are fake. Yeah, mine are too. The first four. I got into a bar fight, and the, the dentist. Oh my god, my dentist died randomly. He was like 38 years old. People died. But yeah, like a fucking brain aneurysm. Yeah, this yeah. is a guy that like like takes care of himself. Like, what well, I remember, there'd be plenty of times when I would talk to the dentist, like like the bar fight. That's how this happened. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he took the X-ray. He's like, I don't know how this doesn't come out on a fucking slice of pizza or a garlic knot. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, well, stop. Like, yeah. I can't have fucking. I can't have a missing tooth. I can't look like a fucking hillbilly. I'm a handsome guy. You got you got to fix this, All right? So we put this in. But there's been all these times where I like talking to the dentist, like what happened here, like like bar fight, this that, and he would have like a bit of a judgmental look, like this is a man <laughs> that takes care of himself. Yeah, yeah. And he's dead at thirty-eight. You don't know. You don't know. It could, you know. That's why I don't waste too much time and effort trying to take care of myself because you see, I've seen so many like healthy people, mm -hmm. health conscious people, mm -hmm. die at a young age yep. from some crazy shit. Yep. You might as well, you know, look for quality over quantity. And that, that's, you know, that's what it is. It's like you got, you know, people think that they're safe. And, you know, I don't know, wearing a mask makes certain people feel safe. It's, this makes certain people feel safe. You know what? In your car, don't worry about the mask. Worry about the seatbelt. That's going to help you. The mask ain't helping you in the car, you know. It's just, it's this illusion of safety that our government gives us that we feel like, it, it, listen, what's the line? It's from that movie with Denzel. It says, uh, death is guaranteed, life is not. And What movie is that? Uh, Training Man. Yeah, the tattoo. It says, it says uh, mm. death is guaranteed, life is not. It's been not. a long time since I've seen that. And it's true. Death is guaranteed. Life is not. You know, I was just talking to someone about the director of Training Day, and I'm so upset. I don't know if he would have been the right man for the job, but like, still, it would have been a cool movie to see. The Antoine Fuqua, his name is, the director of Training Day. Yeah, yeah it's something like that. He was 
set to direct a movie about the Grim Reaper, Greg Sarpa. Okay. I feel like that would have been fucking awesome, but it just kind of like fell to the wayside. You know, with those those movies, you need a Scorsese. You need a guy yeah. that really is has seen it growing up. Yeah. You know, you need somebody that... I'm not sure to... Antoine Fuqua could pull it off. But still, it would have been cool to see. Yeah, I mean, you see, depending on, I, I would assume, depending on what kind of movie you have, if it's written and I don't know how the writers write films, but if it's really all there, kind of, then anyone can direct it, I would say. But if it's something where you have to put your inputs into it, I think a mafia film like that, you need a knock-around guy. You need somebody that saw the streets or grew up in Brooklyn or, you know, the Bronx or saw really the grit of it to do it well. And I think Scorsese is the guy to go to for a movie like that. He's getting old. Yes. I always worry, like, is there going to be a next Scorsese? Well, I'll tell you who, would, uh, who probably will be the next Scorsese is, and they're real good friends in real life, and I can see it happening. He's a smart guy, guy I respect, is uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio. You think he would direct films? You know, a good actor makes a good director. You know, you saw that with Clint Eastwood, you saw that with, um, you know, a lot of other people. Clint Eastwood put out some good shit lately. Clint Eastwood's one of the you best. See the one His daughter's very good too. The Mule? Uh, yeah, that the older man that he's the drug, yeah. I fucking love that movie. But that's, I mean, when you have a good acting background and you really know the dynamics of acting and you're a good actor, I think it's easy to speak the language, to, to kind of portray what you want someone to do and get their motivation right. And if anything else, what does a director do? He gets your motivation where it needs to be. You know a show that was very Scorsese-esque, but it only survived three seasons? Uh, uh, the Deuce. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? No, I never saw it. But David Chase, you gotta give him The Sopranos. I mean, but a guy like that was smart enough to say, hey, you know, we need Nikki from Brooklyn, and we need this guy in the background, and we need you to, need you know, Tony Soprano went out in a pair of shorts, and I forget the mobster that they, they wrote into the they show. They said he doesn't wear shorts. Bosses don't wear shorts. Yeah. You know, which has been, you know, they do. But... It's that image thing and, yep. you know, the kiss in the ring and a lot of things. Most of those guys. There's a lot of intricacies in Ma. In, 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 in the movies and in The Sopranos, they're like dressed like, like in fucking dapper fucking clothes. But when Francis you, Ford Coppola, another one. When you, see them, when you see like the real life guys in real life, most of them are wearing basketball shorts and a fucking t-shirt. And here's the, no, you're wrong about that. Most and here's of, why you're wrong about that. When you meet, and I've met some people, you know, I, I been in their presence, I've been around them, I've spent time with them, and again, not something I'd get into, but you'd never know. You'd never fucking know. Like this this Frankie Cali, the guy that just got killed, he was a guy you'd never know. He was just a regular guy, he didn't have that old, and that bored, just a regular businessman, and the most respectful person in the world, and you know, some of the most dangerous people in the world know what's out there in the world, and they're the most respectful, and those are the guys you gotta really fear. You know, the guys that are respectful when you come over to them. And you end up in the basement getting your eyeballs drilled out. You know, you realize, hey, this wasn't the right guy. But those guys are few and far between to be the mount, the big mount. Oh, and I, they wanna keep their mouth shut. The true mobsters weren't big fucking mounts. They were wise guys. They would keep their mouth shut and they'd make decisions. Scotty ruined it all. 
Gotti was a showboat built on ego. I, you know, what he did in the street, he got away with. He had a lot of charisma, uh, but he he broke his own rules. I mean, the rules that he said he would at the end of the day. <coughs> Bravado. Uh, what do you do? What do you do? You know, you, your best friend. You hear on tapes that he's talking bad about you. You're looking at life. You know what, Steve? We're best friends. If we did something wrong, and all of a sudden the feds gave me tapes of you talking about how you might kill me and how a piece of shit I am, I got news for you. Mafia or nothing, fuck you. I'm going to get myself out of the bind. And that's what he did. The guy's still upright. He's still living his life. He still has another chapter to write. All that, we don't talk, we don't be rap. That shit went out the window. That's gone like the Indians. That don't exist anymore. So eventually, it won't exist anymore. The new crime is the North Korea, the, the cyber crimes, the, the dodge coin, the this, the that. There's new and interesting ways. It's not, you gotta pay me or the guy's gonna come by and break your fucking window. Speaking of dodge coin, you ever see the big short? I'm not, no. Well, basically, it's a true story. Uh, I think the guy's Michael Burry or some shit. Christian Bale played him. Okay. But he was like one of these like weirdo like guys where like if you talk to him he's like not like socially like savvy. Yes, very eccentric. And he basically shorted the um, the real estate uh, stocks because he realized that like it was all gonna fucking crash. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, everyone thought he was crazy because it's like, well, who doesn't pay their mortgage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's like, now nah, they're putting out some fucking bad loans, and sooner or later, this is all gonna crumble. That was the whole mortgage. So he thing. shorted the fucking stuff. <coughs> His partners thought he was fucking crazy, mm -hmm. and they were like contractually binded to his decisions, mm -hmm. and they tried to like pull out, and he kept saying, "No, I'm telling you, it's gonna go." He made a million. Yes, he did. Even though they hated him, and he recently said that this Dogecoin thing, the, yeah. the fucking Bitcoin, all that, same fucking deal. It's all going to fucking plummet. It could be a pyramid, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter where it's going to end. That's what, that's what you don't understand. It doesn't matter where it's going to end. It matters if you can make money on it and get out. Mm. And that's with anything. You know, you invest in a piece of property, the, the world's going to blow up and five billion years, you know? It's like, can you get in and out? Can you make something on it? And if you could, yeah. This other thing with the GameStop, all these wise-ass investors, you know, throwing money in something to pull it out. I don't know exactly, I'm not exactly great on stocks, but it's a scam that people with a lot of money are using. They throw their money in it. And I don't know exactly how it works. But, you know, it's like the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, you make a rule for something. When someone finds a loop, when someone finds a catch-all, you have to make a rule. When somebody says, hey, I found a loophole, this is what we do. Instead of, you know, I'll give you a for instance, they had a, a film festival or some shit like that. And they were allowed to bring in all these outside vendors. And they were allowed to sell anything they wanted. But the trick was, you couldn't sell water. Bottled water. And the reason you couldn't sell bottled water is because they had their own concession stand. Okay, so they would sell the bottle of water for five dollars a day. A guy came in with two barrels of peanuts. They put up a sign: peanuts, one dollar. With every sale of peanuts, you get a free bottle of water. He'd hand everybody a peanut. Here's your dollar peanut, and here's your free water. You know how much? I bet you the next time that film festival went, they had a rule about it because they got caught. So you know we have to expose. 
the inadequacies in government and business and th and then there'll be a rule about it. But the guy that does it gets all the spoils. Yeah. You understand? If you can figure it out, and you can figure it, you know, there, there's um, I wrote a, I read a book. Uh, a friend of mine, Freddie, gave it to me. You know, Freddie mm -hmm. Uh He uh, it's called the King of New York or something like that. The downfall of New York. It's the story of Robert Moses. Robert Moses was this guy that responsible for a lot of the planning of New York City, most of it. Out in the far Rockaways, he made overpasses so that the minorities couldn't go on buses, so he made low overpasses. He did the Rockaways, he did all of that. But this guy's trick was, he was an expert law writer. He was actually the guy that started the Port Authority. The Port Authority wasn't a government agency, it wasn't a city agency, it was its own entity. It didn't have to pay taxes, it didn't, but it was because the guy knew how to write laws. He would write laws and it couldn't be, you couldn't get around them. I mean, he was just that kind of intellectual man that knew how to make a law that you can't find a catch-22 in there. There is no loophole. And he, you know, he was a famous guy. A lot of people say he, he was very bad to minorities. He changed zoning to make highways go in certain places. And, a lot of times it was through the ghettos so that people would lose all their shit. New York City is actually, as far as the school system goes, the most segregated school system in the world. I don't believe you. What high school well, did you go it's, to? It's because, I went to Wagner. It's because, then I went to but, but did, did you ever know that, that all of the minorities from the North Shore, they would Boston to Port Richmond. No, to, to, to like to Tottenville. Okay. And I went to Tottenville. Yeah, see, when I was in Wagner, they would bus in minorities too. Yeah. Because all the shitty from schools Park, were on I the North Shore. From, uh, so they would pretend that they had West like Park. they would West pretend West. that they had like an aunt or an uncle. So they they're they're not supposed to go to that school, mm -hmm. but they would find a loophole. I did that too. I was supposed to go to Port Richmond, but I didn't want to go to Port Richmond, so we used an address and I went to Wagner. I didn't know. want to go to Port Richmond. My sister went to Port Richmond and probably got a better go. education than me. You think so? Yeah. Well, maybe at that time. Well, I mean, it was, you know, between five, my sister's one uh, in 81, I'm in 75, so, I mean, six year difference. But I think she got a better education. At Port Richmond? At Port Richmond. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, she, she they definitely, uh, I mean, she was probably a better student, too. You know, I, I was just into taking the test and passing and telling them, fuck you, you can't fail me. I don't have to do homework, I know the work. Yeah. I passed the test. Yeah. All right, let's see what else we got. A New York City psychiatrist has lectured at Yale University that psychopathic whites steal everything and that she fantasizes about killing them. Here's a clip of her being interviewed about the lecture. There are no good apples out there. White people yeah make my blood boil. When you say there are no good apples out there, uh, yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what kind of claim are you making? I'm talking about people have this idea that um, racism is something that if you're consciously racist or if you're a Klan member, and I'm sort of making the claim that racism is something that is unconscious and it is actually in everyone and everyone uses these words systemic. They're like, you know, I, I, you, I'm, I know that racism is systemic. And yet individually, when you call them out, they'll, they'll be like, well, it's not me. You can't say that. And so there's a disconnect between use of the word systemic and saying that racism is everywhere. But the moment you point it out individually, there's sort of people disown their own violence and racism. 
would it be fair to say, based on your expertise, that white people are psychopathic? I think I I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's many lies that, and I had didn't get to that part because what I delivered was only um, part of a first series of talks. But the way the level of lying that white people do that has started since colonialism, we're just used to it. Hmm. Such as every time you, sure, every time that you um, you you steal a country, you loot, you say you've discovered something. I mean, this is this this level of lies actually part of history. We don't say that we killed all these people, we got rid of all the Native Americans. We say we discovered America. You don't talk about the level of death. You don't talk about the level of what actually occurred. You wipe the the slate clean, you sanitize the violence, and you actually got lost along the way. You're trying to go to India. And then you say you discovered something. And this level of, of discovery is everywhere. You've discovered vegetarianism. You know, you've discovered you've discovered yoga. You've discovered everything is a discovery, and it's all actually stolen. All right, so what do you make of this fucking bukyak? Anytime you categorize a whole race, that's racism. Anytime you make a broad statement about a whole race, that in itself is racism. This woman's education is flawed, horrible. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she comes from. This woman could say she fantasizes about killing all white people, and she's allowed in our society, and we're going to listen to her dribble. And, and it's like, well, is this part of the problem or is this part of the solution? It's part of the problem. It's more of the division of America. Exactly. It perpetuates the racial divide. It's, it's race, racial in itself of calling a group and saying classified, are all uh, white people psychopaths? Well, I think, you think all white people are psychopaths? I wonder how you're... The leaders of Yale or wherever you got your education feel about you. Maybe we should cut to their comments about you. See if they condone this type of behavior because, you know, if you work under the skies of McDonald's and you stand behind McDonald's and, and, and you say, hey, all people are this, I think McDonald's would take offense to it. I want to know Yale's. I want to see their response. Not my response, not your response. I want to see what the people that pay her and the contributors to Yale have to say about those comments. And if... Well, they're letting her talk to Yale students. If, if the world is just, she will be on unemployment. Okay, because you can't radicalize children whose minds are growing, even in college, with radical thoughts and think you're going to have a good, you know, it, it's the rules. You can't say we love rules, but how could you even listen to this? If this was a class that I took, I would first challenge her on every time she opened her mouth. And then if it became a problem, I would eventually drop it. But this is appalling. I, I, I mean, it, it's, this is a, a person that's not, you know, my two cents on the street. This is a, an educator. This is someone that, that's educating, that, that thinks... At an all, Ivy League school. All white people are psychopathic, and if you nail down one white person, they won't admit to it. I mean, what... what one, I thing I, well, one thing I do agree with, with that she says is that everyone is a little racist. You know what I mean? This stereotypical 
things that we use that we classify gender or we classify uh, an ethnic group as. But if I would say all blacks are anything, happy, sad, that's a form of racism. That's saying you as a race, not that you have individuality, not that how you grew up, where you grew up, what were your influences. That's just saying that we have a predetermined thing in our soul to hate. And if she thinks that's what white people are, there's, I, I'm very, I feel very bad for her. There's sorry plenty for her. of good, nice white people that don't have a bad bone in their body. I say this. And they're certainly not cooking crosses on. I say this all the time. As an educator, that this group of people is bad. There is no form of reverse racism that is worse than that. Coca-Cola telling employees to be less white. That is a <laughs> smack in the fuck. It's funny when, when we hear about it, but you know, if you work for Coca-Cola and you, you worked your ass off in that company for 15 years, and now your supervisor's telling you to be less white, and you turn around and you turn around to yourself and say, hey, you know what? I busted my ass for Coca-Cola for 15 years. I've done everything right. I made the good decisions. I, I've tried to make their company better, and now they want me to be less of what? Like, now this isn't about work ethic. This isn't about showing up on time. You want me to be less myself, because I'm a white person. You know uh, Colin Quinn, the guy who used to do Weekend Updates? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw a stand-up with him, and he broke it down the best way. He said, if you take a white plumber who works a second job just to support his family, you think that guy wants to hear about how privileged he is? No. Absolutely no. not. I don't want to hear our, uh, our pal Silvio Dante, what do you make of uh, this New York City psychiatrist? <laughs> no fucking skifoos. Uh. <laughs> right. And uh, here's my mood when this woman says that all whites are psychopaths. Hunter Biden has put together a few paintings and he's expected to sell these pieces at art exhibits for up to a million dollars. Our own local waste management consultant, Tony Soprano, wants to weigh in here. What do you think about uh, Hunter Biden's art pieces? And I, I usually don't like Biden art. Me neither, T. Now, we have a transvestite named Jack Tours from the village who deals in these art dealings, and I want to know, Jack, are you going to have any hand in selling these items? I don't sell this shit. I just watch this guy go crazy with that shit. He's, he's an artist. He says he's fucking naked with a chainsaw running around the house. Me, I think he's a fucking jerk that belongs in Bellevue. All right. Yeah, uh, I, I got you. I got you. Now, listen, Jack, I, I love you, but I'm going to have to get back to work. So go get some work done, you silly bastard. All right, you fuck. Bye. See you later, Jack. Our consultant from Colorado wants to weigh in on Hunter Biden selling these art pieces. Fucking Hunter Biden is getting a fucking art exhibit now. I'm expected to make a million dollars or some shit. He's going to be able to get so many foot jobs from Asians and so much crack. His paintings probably look like a fucking Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Folks, that'll wrap up today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe. And don't forget to pick up Savage, A Journey Through the Opioid Epidemic, available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Have a good week. Have a good week, guys.